And hello there, all you Stay Tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports. Episode number 34 we're up to. How is everybody doing out there so far this week? Not too bad. Um, the so-called storm that was supposed to hit us. I guess, I mean, in a way still did, but it was mostly ice. Um, a lot of rain now, and then we're supposed to get some more snow, uh, I believe, uh, Sunday. But, you know, it's winter. What do you expect? Uh, so what did everybody think about the the championship games uh, last weekend? Um, I'll be honest, I, I didn't watch any of them. I mean, I'm kind of one of those, those people that once my team's out of it, I kind of lose interest. But uh, I guess I, sh I should have tuned in a little bit uh, for the Saints game with the, the refs making the no call, which, you know, changed the outcome of that game. We're gonna, we'll talk a little bit about that. But before we get into the show, uh, you can head over to Twitter and follow me at JimboSTSports. And you can also follow the show at STSportsPodcast. Um, go over there. Sometimes I add uh, some of the stories that we talk about on the show um, even if it's just uh, stories that we don't talk about um, so if something pops up during the week you know I'll add that um, I'll retweet it out or whatever but uh, kind of getting into the show a little bit here um, other than football there really wasn't uh, much stories to talk about I know, you know, it's the off-season for baseball. It's the, the Manny Machado and the Bryce Harper watch is going on. They still haven't decided where they're going yet. Um, but this past Tuesday, they released the uh, inductees for the Hall of Fame. And I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a pretty good lineup. You have uh, Mariano Rivera from the Yankees, the famous closer. Edgar Martinez from the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Roy Hall uh, Halladay from the Phillies. And he played with... Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, Toronto. Uh, before he went to the Phillies. And then another local boy uh, from Pennsylvania, Montroseville. Mike Mussina. Who played with uh, the Yankees and the Orioles. And... Uh, a little bit uh, to, to get into a little bit here um, with some of the the stats that came out about this uh, about the inductees. Mariano Rivera is the first ever unanimous um, vote getter. The next closest person was uh, Ken Griffey with 93%, but Rivera got 100%, and rightfully so. I mean, I'm an Orioles fan, and when it came out that he uh, was going into the Hall of Fame, my cousin. Is a, a Yankees fan, and I, I had a texter because uh, you know we always go at it during the baseball season. Um, you know, congratulations. You know, he he was one of the players that 
I don't want to say I hate it, I disliked, but I respected him because how he played the game. Um, played it with, uh, played with pride, played it the right way, you know, no trash talks, you know, maybe a little bit, but he was never, he was respectable about the game. Um, and, you know, before the show, when I was, I was looking, looking up some articles on the inductees, I was very surprised with some of the stories uh, about Rivera and, and Martinez. Um, before I get to those uh, stories, uh, Martinez, you know, you, you see you see these uh, contracts coming out nowadays. You know, Manny Machado looking at, you know. A two hundred million dollar contract, or whatever it is, you know, twenty million dollars a year, or whatnot. Martinez, Edgar Martinez for Seattle Mariners, got signed to a four thousand dollar contract. Mario Rivera got signed to a three thousand dollar contract. Like it's just amazing how much these these contracts have uh, just grown over the years, and. You know, now we're starting to see these players that are getting inducted now. What was the time period of the steroid era and coming out of the steroid era? That was a, a very good um, era of baseball. Yes, you know, McGuire was on steroids and, and Sosa had the the corked bat, but it was still entertaining. You know, I know their role models. You don't want um, high schoolers or college kids being on steroids just to make it but um, but so, some uh, things about the, the the voting process so to make it into the, the Hall of Fame you need at least 75% um, to be eligible or to, to get in you know one player could get in or it could be seven players as long as you're above that 75% and Edgar Martinez actually was in his final year of the, the balloting, uh, the voting, and he received 85% of the vote, which, you know, I, I remember him playing, and he, I think he definitely deserved it. I'm surprised it took this long. Um, Roy Halladay, who uh, passed away going on two years now with that terrible uh, plane crash, Received uh, 85% of the vote, and he—it uh, was his first uh, first time on the ballot, just like uh, Mariano Rivera too. Musina uh, has been on a, a couple times, and he he barely got past his uh, threshold uh, with uh, 76%. So they joined. I, I think it was um, Harold Rains and. I forget the other guy's name that got uh, inducted as well. But still, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds still haven't uh, made it as well as Kurt Schilling. Now, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds obviously were the ones that got accused of uh, steroids. Um, they're still a way off. Uh, they got 57 and 56% respectively. I don't think they're ever going to make it. 
they only got three years left on the ballot, then they go to a, a different type of uh, balloting. Uh, I just think the steroids accusations and, and the, the positive testings of it are going to really hinder them making it. Which, and again, it's, it's a shame in a way that on one side that they had to take it if they did take them. Which everybody knows. I mean, if you look at Barry Bonds' rookie card compared to Barry Bonds' last card that he was on, he was taking something. It's terrible that they had to take that stuff, you know, whether it be to come back from injuries quicker or whatever their reasoning was. But here's my only argument for them is, at least for Barry Bonds and the hitters that have been accused, it's all eye-hand coordination. It's a majority of eye-hand coordination when it comes to hitting. Steroids does not improve your, your eye-hand coordination. Yes, it makes you uh, bigger and, and stronger to swing the bat faster, but you still got to see the ball hit the bat. If you go on YouTube or any uh, baseball videos, if you watch the batter, they look right down at the ball as it's hitting the bat. They're not looking up at the fence while they're swinging the bat or down first baseline. I mean, unless you're Chris Davis and that's why you strike out all the time. But it still comes down to doing that. And for, you know, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and, and Sammy Sosa to, to break the uh, home run records uh, for single season, uh, home runs in a, in a single season, it's still impressive. Um, but I, I still don't think they're going to make it. Kurt Schilling, you know, and Roger Clemens, two of the, the most dominant um, pitchers uh, in the league at, at that time. And, you know, it, it's just going to be interesting to see in the next couple of years if they, if they, get, uh, if they gain any more votes. Um, to be able to, you know, to make it into the, the Hall of Fame. Um, so the one article I found on um, ESPN had some uh, clippets of, um, you know, s news, uh, uh, stats or stories about each inductee. So as far as Mariano Rivera, definitely one, if not the greatest closer of all time. Had 652 saves over his 19-year career. Helped the Yankees win five World Series. In, in uh, the postseason, he finished 8-1 with a .7 ERA over 96 appearances. That's 141 innings he, he pitched. That is freaking impressive. Also had 42 postseason saves. I mean, if... Like, what other closer out there can you say is better than him? I'm sorry. There, there's there's not. And this is coming from an Orioles and a Phillies fan who hates the Yankees. I mean, he when he came in, you knew the game was on lockdown. He was going to win this. Very rare you saw him have a blown save. He obviously is going to be the head of that class. And rightfully so. Uh, Edgar Martinez spent his entire career with the Mariners. 
he won two batting titles and hit 312 and 309 home runs over 18 seasons. Again, I mean, just that, just that period, 18 seasons with one team. Nowadays, with any of the sports, where do you ever see that? It's very rare, and same thing with Rivera with the Yankees. Very rare you see a player stick around. Uh, Roy Halladay finished with 203 wins, 105 losses, a career ERA of 338, playing 12 seasons with the Blue Jays and the Final Four with the Phillies, won two Cy Young Awards, one with each franchise, finished second to two other times, threw a perfect game at a no-hitter in the 2010 National League Division Series against the Reds, which I remember that one. It, it felt like a World Series game there. Uh, he, he's one of the last really workhorses as a pitcher. Um, he threw 61 completed games, 30 more than the number two guy who was CC Sabathia. Now, I mean, obviously, the past two, three seasons, uh, Sabathia hasn't been the, the dominant pitcher that he's been. But when he was, he he was a he was a tough uh, a tough guy to to hit against. Mike Mussina played 18 seasons, 10 with the Orioles, eight with the Yankees. He was uh, 270 and 153 with the ERA at 3.68, with over 2,800 strikeouts. Mussina was a five-time All-Star and earned seven Gold Gloves. This I was surprised. He, he never won a Cy Young award, but came in second behind Pedro Martinez, which, you know, again, one of the the greatest pitchers uh, of, of that time period, too. Now, a little funny story about um, Rivera that I found on this, this article from ESPN. So, the article says, the Yankees left Rivera, then a Class A player who had suffered an elbow injury exposed in the 93 expansion draft. The Marlins were reportedly set to take him, but the Rockies selected Brad Osmus, meaning the Yankees couldn't lose any more players. The Yankees also nearly traded Rivera to the Mariners after Rivera posted a 5.51 ERA as a rookie in 95. Instead, the Yankees moved him to the bullpen in one day in 97 while playing catch with Ramiro Mendoza. His ball suddenly started moving. He had found his famous cutter. And so his career was off and running. It's just funny how some of the greatest players sports athletes things like this happen you know you got this story here um, you could look at Chris Carter from the Vikings started his, his career with the Eagles you know had some drugs alcohol problems and Buddy Ryan cut him and he goes on to have a Hall of Fame career you know it's and, and also, with this, this story, too, uh, with Edgar Martinez, same thing with him. He didn't make it to the big leagues till he was 27, which is kind of old. I mean, not kind of old, but, you know, to be a rookie at 27, that's kind of old. And he was just a triple-A guy, you know, batting 200, wasn't that well. And the third baseman that the Mariners had at the time had three or four 
games with two or three errors in each. So that's how how Martinez got his big break and never looked back. The only one out of this group that was supposed to be a big star was Mike Messina. Um, he was drafted by the Orioles. Uh, I think it said uh, 11th overall. Went to Stanford. And, you know, coming out, he, he they, they knew he was supposed to be a big star. Halliday was supposed to be a big star. He struggled in the beginning of his career. But bounced back. He actually got bounced all the way down to Class A before everything started clicking for him. So... To all those that are inducted, you know, congratulations. Um, but I, I will say, I, I was surprised about Mike Messina. Um, when he was a pitcher for the Orioles, I was still playing, I want to say, like 13-year-olds or going on to teeners. Um, yeah, I, I always thought he was a good pitcher. I just never thought he was a, a Hall of Fame pitcher. And I don't know if it's because... He was from Pennsylvania. I knew, you know, the, the city that he lived in. I knew where that was. So, you know, you just kind of think like, oh, you know, why would he make it that far? But it's it's, it's kind of surprising to see when you start looking at some of the stats and what what he's done over his career for how long he played. You know, maybe, you know, I guess I guess he deserves. And you know, congratulations to him. Another uh, future Hall of Fame athlete is Larry Fitzgerald of the Arizona Cardinals, who this past week came out uh, and signed a new contract with the uh, Arizona Cardinals, which it's a one-year contract for $4.85 million signing bonus with an $11 million base salary, which he's been getting $11 million a year for the past three years. This will be his uh, 16th season, and all with the Cardinals. Now, obviously football is a lot, uh, lot more physical sport than baseball, but just to play 16 seasons, I, I know Tom Brady is, is up there as well, but to play 16 seasons with one team in the NFL, other than Tom Brady, who's a who's another player that's played that long? You know, it's it's very very uh, rare you see anymore. But you know, when this came out, I, I texted King. I saw King post something on, on Facebook or. Uh, uh, or on Twitter. I forget, I forget which one it was. But I, I asked him, like, are we selfish fans for not wanting to see him retire? Because it's such a, a, a joy to watch him play. You know, the consistency he always has. He's been, like I said, he's been playing 16 seasons, and I think, it's, I think this year was the first time he's ever not hit 100 catches and 1,000 yards receiving. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, that's that's something. You know, with all these young receivers coming up, he's still producing good numbers. 
And even in fantasy football, you know, for all you fantasy football players, uh, uh, owners out there, I mean, he's not your your first round pick anymore, but easily a fourth uh, receiver, maybe a, a third receiver, you know, on your team. But the only downfall with him with this is this will be his second year coming back uh, playing under a, a new coach. You know, earlier this offseason you had Steve Wilkes fired after one year. Now they got Cliff Kingsbury coming in. And, you know, it's not, not bad to have him come back with a, a rookie head coach, a second-year quarterback, to kind of help uh, this team take the, the next uh, step forward to, to mature a little bit. And again, you know, with all the, the young receivers probably on, on, on the roster, help uh, gel all the all the players together and, and help them, you know, teach them uh, different things in the NFL that he's learned over the year. Now, like I said, uh, he had 69 catches, 734 yards this this past season, which still it's 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 not bad, but it's not Fitzgerald numbers. He's going to be 36. Uh, when the, the next season starts. He's number two in career receiving yards behind Jerry Rice. Not bad company. But he could also pass uh, Tony Gonzalez on most uh, career receptions. He only needs 23 more. So if all goes well with no injuries, he should destroy that. Even if he only gets 50 catches this year, I mean, he should do more than that. Not this past season, the, the season before that, the 2017 season, he became the oldest player with 100 catches in a season. I mean, just it just seems like every stat that's out there, either he has a chance to break, or he did break, or he came close to breaking. I mean, this guy is obviously a first-time uh, ballot Hall of Famer, and if he's not, then there, there's a, a problem with the, the voting uh, process. So I'm going to be looking forward to watching him play next season with the, the Cardinals. Um, I'm not sure if Philly plays them, but I'm sure they'll, they'll be on the on Fox you know, throughout the season somehow or sometime. Oops, excuse me. But the big elephant in the room, or I kind of touched on uh, with the when the show came on the whole New Orleans Saints non-pass interference call that should have been called and everything that's coming with it you know everything from that night the, the officials of that game had to get moved to the outskirts of New Orleans because they were being harassed at the hotels one official was getting uh, phone calls uh, harassing phone calls uh, about it and then 
Earlier this week, I saw a New Orleans lawyer file a lawsuit against the NFL on behalf of the season ticket holders saying that the commissioner needs to step up and uh, take advantage of the one rule that's actually in the rule book that states that Goodell could one of two things change the outcome of the game you know so in this aspect say the Rams didn't win that the Saints will be going to the Super Bowl or tell both teams that they have to go back out on the field and play the last minute 49 of where that play that affected the outcome of the game uh, now again this article I have from ESPN uh, according to rule 17 section 2 article 1 the commissioner has the sole authority to investigate and take appropriate disciplinary and or corrective measures if any club action non-participant interference or calamity occurs in an NFL game which the commissioner deems so extraordinarily unfair or outside the accepted tactics encounter in professional football that such action has a major effect on the result of the game. Now, the loophole of this uh, of this rule, though, is excuse me, I'm still trying to get over a cold I had earlier this week. Sorry, guys. Uh, Article 2 states the commissioner will not apply authority in cases of complaints by clubs concerning judgmental errors or routine errors of omission by game officials. Games involving such complaints will continue to stand as completed. So, you know, if you've been living underneath the rock, the play that has all these all the Saints fans upset over is uh, the Saints had the ball went to do a passing play Drew Brees uh, you know went to pass the ball the one Rams defender got beat by the the Saints receiver so the safety the Rams safety didn't play the ball at all and just basically plowed through the Saints receiver with the ref standing right there and no flag was thrown I mean if you watch it it, it was blatant that it was pass interference that there's no if ands or buts was he looking at the the ball was, was were they tangled up or there, there was no if ands or buts it should have been pass interference and it was not called and now you know the, the whole pass interference should be um Reviewable is coming back up now, and I think it was the past couple years it's been uh, brought up. And the one argument against uh, it being reviewable, I don't know if it was on TV, I heard it or I uh, read it somewhere. They said the NFL won't won't change it, or the competition committee won't change it because then it'll cut into sponsorship time. Well, here's a quick fix to that. And they've done this a couple times this year when there was a review. You do a split screen. When the refs are reviewing the play, have the little box watching them review it, and then have your Coca-Cola or your Pepsi commercial or whatever airing with the sound on. The sponsors still get their time. The NFL 
can start getting some of these these plays correct. Another uh, role I think should be reviewable is roughing the passer, and it happened in the the Chiefs game. The dude hit Tom Brady's chest with his arm. Now I know it's Tom Brady, so he's gonna get every call he wants, and they called roughing the passer. Like, come on, like. This league is just getting so disastrous. It's it's almost unbearable to watch. You know, you're trying to say that it's not fixed, and you're trying to protect the shield and all that. Plays like this with the Saints and with, with the the Chiefs, it's making it look more and more look like it's fixed. I mean, fixed. I mean, you wanted a, a big market team in LA over the Saints. You want Tom Brady and, and, and New England in there, which is, I think, the third Super Bowl in a row he's going to. You, you got to get these officials under control. You know, I, I don't know, you know, a couple years ago, I thought maybe if you went full-time with referees, you get these, uh, these plays fixed. But I think it's so far gone with the, with the rules that... You know, I, I don't think full-time refs will fix it. And on top of that, with the whole Saints thing, too, and with this rule, right after the game, the ref went up to Sean Payton and said, they blew the call. So if the ref knew he blew the call, why doesn't the commissioner step in and either, like the rule says, change it so that the Saints are going to the Super Bowl? Or replay this game. Now, everybody's probably going to say, well, you know, if he says replay the game, there's not enough time. No, there is. Who's watching the Pro Bowl this week? That's what I thought. No one. You play it this Sunday or this Saturday. You play it this weekend, the last minute of 49, probably about a half hour. Your sponsorships get, get some airtime. You get back on the TV with a meaningful game. And you get to play. And the right team going to the Super Bowl. I never knew that, that this rule was there. That the commissioner could step in and, and do something about it. But, you know, damn well he's not going to step in and do something. He's just going to stay quiet and hope that this gets kind of swept underneath the rug and it's a shame because you know you got these officials now deciding who's going to the Super Bowl or who's who's going to win the championship game it's it's terrible Charles Barkley terrible but you know some of the things that uh, you know on the other hand with, with these, the Saints uh, fans you know, like I said, you got the lawyer filing the lawsuit. Um, there's a, a car salesman or a, a dealership renting out billboards uh, down in Atlanta where the Super Bowl, I believe, is being held. Uh, you know, we got robbed half hour after the game that uh, I guess it was like a, like a, a highway or a, a toll booth type uh, bridge. Overhead, we got robbed. Like some of the some of the the fans' uh, outrage 
uh, you know, venting, if you want to call it that. They're kind of, kind of funny. But, you know, I, I hope in the end, I hope the, the NFL makes this right somehow. Whether it be making viewable uh, penalties, which, like I said, I personally think roughing passers should be one of them. You know, it may make the game a little bit longer. But, you know what? Whatever happened to the whole, they have 90 seconds to look at a play. It seems like we're back to the whole, it goes to 3-4 minutes. Set a 30 second review clock. And if you can't decide by the time that 30 seconds is up, the replay shuts right off. You know, I, I just, I can't believe that there's no, uh, no fix out there for this to, to get the NFL back on track to make it enjoyable again. But, so I think that's going to be it for us this week. Like I said, it was a little slow, only a couple stories. I know the Saints thing was the, the big thing. How do you guys feel about penalties being reviewed shoot me a line over on uh, over on Twitter you can either send it to me at Jimbo ST Sports or you can follow or send it over to the show at ST Sports Podcast uh, retweet us out there you know head over to Facebook you know like and share us there but like I said I think that's going to be it for this week I will see you guys next week and I will give my Super Bowl picks for next week. Have a nice week. Have a nice weekend. Be safe. This is your good friend Jimbo signing out.